Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. (laughs) I thought you wanted me to come first. We didn't talk about that. We didn't talk about it. I no. just thought when my I thought it in my mind, and I just thought Pastor Pete is going to know. I'm thinking it. We've got that telekinetic connection. You thought, you know what? We've done this one way every single time up until this point, Let's and so clearly up. he's expecting us to just change it up and do something different. That's exactly. See, that's exactly it. Yeah. I don't know why you couldn't catch that sooner. Hey, happy launch Sunday. Oh, wow. It's launch Sunday. It, that's right, because it's today. Today is it's Sunday. Sunday. It's very Sunday today. <laughs> yeah, we're having a baby today. Yeah. Well, <sighs> the launch of a church. I still don't like that. I it's get it. Girl. I just don't. It's a girl. It's a girl. Hey. And her name is Compass Bible Church, North Texas. Her name is Compass, North Texas. Yeah. That's really cool. I'm going to wear one of those It's a Girl shirts today. Are you? Well, see, you just put that out there too late to wear it now because it's today and I'm already getting ready for church. So, so that's why when you see Pastor Rod today at church, he's not going to have one on. It's not because it's not actually Sunday. No, it is Sunday. Sunday. Hey, no, but it is launch Sunday and it's significant. It's, it's a celebration. We're having a party at church. Yes, we are. Um, We're celebrating as we do every single Sunday, the resurrection of Jesus. That's why we gather together as the church, but we're also celebrating afterwards uh, and we're going to have the snow cone trucks here and we're going to just have a good time. And so we're excited about this day. It's monumental. It really is. It's a massively important day. It's significant in our life, in the life of our church. And we pray that this will be a lampstand that keeps shining for many, many, many decades to come. Generations. We want to pass this on down to our kids and our grandkids. We want it to be effective, not only for our lifetimes, but for the lifetimes of many others, uh, those who belong to the, the region of North Texas. Right. As they say, should the Lord tarry. Should the Lord tarry. Tarry. Terry, I don't use that except in that phrase. Have you ever used mm. the word Terry except in to say not as somebody's name? Yeah, not genuinely. Yeah. No, more like a like I'm trying to speak King James. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, random thought in my mind. Did you ever see the video of the the Terry guy Cruz. of Terry uh, the with the fireworks? Oh yeah. Guy, what you doing, what Terry? You doing, Terry? Oh, Terry, no. <laughs> back uh, up, back up, Terry, back up. <laughs> you guys need to go search Terry in fireworks. <laughs> One of the greatest videos on the internet of all time. You're welcome, by the way. Just in advance, you're welcome. You're welcome. That'll bring some joy to your your heart on this. I watched Sunday it this morning. last Fourth of July. I yeah, mean, like three or four times. It's a tradition. It's, like, oh, it's a funny. tradition unlike any other. Yo, back up. What you doing, Terry? <laughs> oh man, so good, so good. Well, hey, uh, Psalm 78 is good too. Uh, better than I Terry. Love Psalm 78. Well, even better than Terry. Terry's great. Yes. Psalm 78 is greater. Yes. So only one chapter. And I, I think sometimes when it's not the New Testament and I see our Old Testament reading is only one chapter, I'm like, oh man, buckle up. This one's going to be long um, because typically we're reading multiple chapters in the Old Testament. You know, I'm glad we don't do Psalm 119 all in one bite too. That's true given, too. Given that there's an option for that. I'm glad we break that up. That would be a kick. Yep. Sometimes we do entire books in one fell swoop. We do. And that's yeah. coming up. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Well, Psalm 78 is uh, basically through Asaph here, a history of Israel with these warnings and reminders sprinkled into his present audience to kind of, hey, remember what happened when Israel didn't pay attention to what God was trying to do with them. Um, but he starts out by saying, look, I, I'm going to I'm going to speak to you the things that look at verse three. We've heard and known that our fathers have told us 
We're not going to hide them from our children. We're going to tell them to the coming generation, the glorious deeds of the Lord, the might and wonders that he has done. We've talked about this multiple times in the book of Psalms because it's come up before. We as parents, as grandparents, as aunts and uncles, and even just as as fellow uh, spiritual family members in the church have an obligation to tell the younger generations about the faithfulness of God in our lives. And that's what the, the psalmist starts out to do. And he walks through the history of Israel and yet he throws in these warnings and these reminders there uh, when it says, Hey, verse eight, you need to tell them so that they shouldn't be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. And then as he walks through here, he talks about the history of Israel, the rebellion against God's covenant. Verse 10, uh, verse 17, they sinned more still against him, even though he had been faithful to them. He's talking about the exodus and leading them out of Egypt. Um, The Lord then was, again, full of wrath, verse 21, towards them. His anger rose against Israel because they did not believe in God and trust in his saving power. So uh, notice that, that statement right there. He's angry because they did not believe in God. What was it that drove the the wrath or the ire of God against his people Israel in the Old Testament. It was a lack of faith in him, a lack of trust in his promises. Sometimes I think I fall into the trap of thinking, well, it was their disobedience. It was because they broke the law. It was because they worshiped idols. But undergirding all that is they did not trust God. And that's what really drew his wrath in his ire. They, they weren't confident in him. They were turning to other sources and yet still he was faithful. And yet then again, the rhythm in this Psalm verse 32, in spite of this, they they kept sinning. And despite his wonders, they did not again, believe they flattered him. Verse 36 with their mouths, but that, that, that led, and they lied to him with their tongues. Their heart was not steadfast and they were not faithful to his covenant yet. His patience, yet his compassion. And I just wrote next to this mercy exclamation point, grace exclamation point in the the margin of my Bible, because even in spite of all this, that line there, yet being compassionate, he atoned for their iniquity. And man, I just, if, if the Psalmist in Psalm 78 can rejoice in that, how much more should we rejoice in that? Knowing the cross, knowing our own stubborn and rebellious hearts, knowing that sometimes our own sin nature still rears its ugly head. We're going to talk about that a little bit uh, more in the, the daily po- podcast today and, yes, and tomorrow. Um, but we know the, the full atonement of the cross. They knew the the shadow of the cross. They knew the Old Testament sacrificial system, wherein like the, the symbols, right, the signs, right. Which the writer of Hebrews says the blood of bulls and goats doesn't take away anyone's sins, right? But it was pointing to God's forgiveness still, and and we have such a, a good thing to hold on to there. One thing I would love to point out before you continue on, Pastor PJ, is we we, did, we didn't have the privilege of going through the Book of Judges with you guys. And Judges is really insightful for a a chapter like this. We've talked about it. We've alluded to it. But let me just quote it to you. Judges chapter 2. You might remember that at the time of Judges, Joshua has has left the scene. And now the time of the Judges is a terrible time for Israel. They, They degrade. They struggle. They can drive out the people from the land. And I want you to notice what happens in verse 10 of Judges chapter 2. Verse 10, Judges chapter 2. Here's what it says. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers, the generation of Joshua. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. So you have this incredible, successful campaign with Joshua and the conquest, entering into the land. The next generation after him seems to do okay. But the generation that arises after seems to struggle a great deal. And part of the reason why is because they failed to apply Psalm 78. They didn't teach their children. They didn't have have them understand what it means to hope in God and the why they hope in God. Uh, this was a massive failing on their part. And consequently, 
Because they did not know their history, they were destined and doomed to repeat it over and over again. It is our job as the elders of the faith, as the leaders, as the husbands, the wives, the those who know Christ, it's our job to impart a solid rationale for why God is trustworthy, lest, like the period of the judges, we drift from the truth that we know. And this is, again, incumbent upon us not to take this lightly. What does this mean practically? Well, this certainly means that you must, we must take an active interest in the next generation. I don't want to plug kidsmen too much, but our kidsmen, they are one of the most important ministries that we run as a church. Yep. We, we desperately need people that are passionate about transmitting the truths into the next generation, and not simply by repeating stories and flannel graphs. We, we, we really, like, deeply care that this be done rightly with a serious-minded care and concern for the next generation. We, we know it's, it's important, and if we don't do that, we have every right to expect what Israel themselves experienced, which is degradation, struggle, God's chastisement. Yeah, and, and in Psalm 78, he's modeling this, and he continues to model it in verses 39 and following when he goes back to their time in Egypt, and he talks about the plagues there as you go through and read that, and how God was gracious to his people by sending all these plagues so that, verse 52, he could lead his people out like sheep and guide them in the wilderness like the flock and lead them in safety and bring them into his holy land. Again, the the mercy of God, but then again, here's the rhythm of this psalm again in verse 56, yet they tested and rebelled against the Most High God. Even though he had done all that, they rebelled against him again and did not keep his testimonies. They turned away and acted treacherously like their fathers. And so he gives them over. Verse 62, he gave his people over to the sword and vented his wrath on his heritage. That's a a powerful statement there. These are God's people. These are his people. And he's venting his wrath. Um, then though, again, mercy and grace shows up in verse 65. Then the Lord awoke as from sleep, like a strong man shouting because of wine. That's an interesting description for God. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And he, uh, and he put his adversaries to rout and put them to everlasting shame. Again, he's delivering his people. Verse 67, he rejected the tent of Joseph. He did not choose the tribe of Ephraim, but chose the tribe of Judah. So this is interesting. Divided kingdom here, right? Yeah. The 12 or the, the 10 tribes that went north and rebelled. And then you've got Judah um, in the south that he set his affection on there. He, they're the ones they chose. That's where he placed his dwelling presence in Mount Zion there in Judah. That's his, his holy mountain where the temple was. And he built his sanctuary like the high heavens. And he chose David, his servant, and he took him from the sheepfolds from following the nursing ewes. He brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people. And then you get to verse 72 with upright heart. He shepherded them and guided them with a skillful hand period. There you go. <laughs> and it's like, what well done? What? And it, it's, it, it, one commentator brought up the, the, the abrupt finish to that and compared it to something that we just talked about, which is the book of Acts, about how the book of Acts then ends abruptly. And so they were saying, this is kind of Asaph's ending, like Luke ended the book of Acts to say, okay, now Israel, now what are what you, you going to do? do? Yeah. What's yeah. your move? Yeah. Because now it's up to you. Is this rhythm going to continue or is this rhythm going to end? And it's up to us to, to do that is kind of what is, I think is thought was. Isn't there this sense though, every time I read the scriptures, I I find like, yeah, I want to do that. I want that heart. And I also find that it's incredibly difficult to master myself in all the ways that I I would like to. I want to honor God. I want to please him. I don't want to rebel. I don't want to do foolishly. In fact, I pray against it all the time. Um, I I wonder in the old Testament, what it felt like. I mean, we have the spirit of Christ. We, We have the enabling grace of God to, to be obedient. We have the ability to do right. What must it have felt like back in 
these times when you didn't have that? Right. What did it feel like to hear the word of God and say, yes, I want that, but I'm not able to do that? Man, how frustrating must that have been for them? Their only hope was, of course, to put their hope in the future forgiving grace of God. They didn't know it was going to be called Jesus. They didn't know it was going to be done through a cross, Mm -hmm. perhaps, unless Mm -hmm. you look at Isaiah 53. But they understood uh, their incapability. Mm -hmm. And I guess that really does helpfully lead us into our New Testament reading today, (laughs) Romans chapter 7. Let's have you explain that whole thing. Leave no stone unturned. Make it abundantly clear to us, Pastor PJ. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, as you were talking about that, though, I was just thinking about that. And, and we talk about dispensations because we, that's what we hold to and believe in is dispensationalism. And we believe that, you know, it's a different dispensation. It's, it's a different way that God relates to his people here in the church age than he did in the uh, in the Old Testament. And yet, yeah, he's the same God. He's immutable and he's unchanging. And yeah, you're right. I, I, I don't know what that would have been like, what David felt like, what the prophets felt like. What we know in the New Testament is things like when they, it says that the we've got the prophetic word more fully confirmed than mm-hmm. they did. And, and that's what we've talked about quite often. We get to know about the cross when they could only yeah. anticipate, okay, like Abraham. I'm Okay, God, I'll believe you. I'll believe that you're going to multiply my descendants and make them as numerous as the the sand on the seashore and the stars in the sky. I believe that you're going to give us a land. I I, I trust you. I believe you. And it's credited to him as righteousness. But right. it's like, what did he know about substitutionary penal atonement? <laughs> yeah, he didn't. Nothing. Right. He might have known something. I mean, he, he had the lamb or the, the ram caught the thicket. Yeah. So he had some semblance of it. He didn't know, I guess, the fulfillment of that in Christ. Yeah. And I guess he didn't perhaps know how God was going to accomplish that, but yeah. that he would do it. Yeah. So grateful that we do. But yeah, that inner struggle. So Romans 7. My guess is if you're a seasoned believer out there, you have read Romans 7 and you've related to a lot of it and thought, man, this really feels like sometimes how I feel when it comes to my sin. But the question remains in Romans 7 is this, and this is really the key to the interpretation of this chapter. And there's really two sides to fall on. Was Paul describing himself pre-conversion or post-conversion? Was Paul describing himself here in this battle that he has in Romans 7 without Christ or with Christ? And I grew up understanding it one way. And then I actually have been convinced the other direction. Oh, wow. So I'll just, I'll put my cards on the table. I grew up thinking this is Paul as a believer. And it was comforting to me because I was like, okay, man, Paul knows how I feel. Sometimes I battle my flesh and I end up sinning and I don't want to sin. I want to honor God. And I, I do the thing that I don't want to do. I'm like, yes, Paul, I'm I'm with you. I'm resonating with this. But then I was introduced to the idea that, well, actually maybe this is Paul writing about his unregenerate state as a, as a Jew. Mm -hmm. Um, because he's writing to Jews about the law in a lot of the early chapters in Romans. And so it fits that context. And the more I thought about that, and the more I was looking at that, the more I was thinking to myself, yeah, I do think that makes sense. Now, before I keep keep going, if you're out there wanting to throw the flag on the play saying, <laughs> so then Pastor PJ, are you telling me a believer doesn't have a struggle? No, go read Galatians 5, right? Go read what we get there in Romans 8, right? It, it, there's a battle in Galatians 5. I think it makes it, it plain. Walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Mm-hmm. There's a battle within every believer between the flesh and the spirit. And the, the one that's going to be winning in your life is the one that you're feeding, right? Mm-hmm. So that battle exists. We don't have to have Romans 7 lay that battle out for us in order for that 
to be a biblical concept. Right. We don't have to say, well, Romans 7 has to be there. Otherwise, I feel like I'm not a good Christian because I do have a struggle within me. Okay. Your struggle is there because of the sin nature. And we see that in other passages in the scripture. I think we have to ask contextually what fits Romans 7. And I think what we see in Romans 7 is Paul continuing to show the failure of the law, why the law can't save us. And I think he's writing about himself and his existence under the law as a Jew. And that's an important contextual clue here as well as a Jew and as a Pharisee, even saying he's tried to be just before God by the law and was not able to do that. And that's why in Romans seven, he says things like I I delighted in the law in my inner being. Maybe you've read that and thought, well, how can that not be a believer? Okay. Well, you remember Paul's going to get there in Romans chapter uh, 10, I believe when he's going to talk about the Jews being zealous, but for the wrong things, they were zealous for the law. They, They had a zeal. They had a passion. They loved the law, right? but they, they, their passion was misplaced. They didn't have a right understanding of its place in the economy of God. So I think Paul saying, I delighted in the law in my inner being, like he does here in Romans seven is not necessarily saying that he was a Christian or that he is a Christian in this context, but saying, I love the law, but he loved the law for the wrong reasons. And what you see here is somebody trying to be right with God by the law and realizing I can't do it. Even when I want to be justified by the law, I still find that I sin because there's another law at work in my body and that's the law of the flesh this is hard it's so hard so let, let, I, i'm gonna lay down my cards and i'm just gonna tell you i struggle I, I i land on positions and then i'm like well but hold on and then i convince myself no it's gotta be the other one so as of today august <laughs> six six <laughs> i said the wrong thing as of today i i i think i would side with the the traditional view that paul is describing the experience of a, of a Christian. Oh man, pastoral disagreement. And and the thing is, I, I feel like I, I, I go back and forth on this so many times, I can't even tell you. But I think, just to just lay it out simply, when I read Romans 7, I, I do see some of my own personal experience in that. So I'm not gonna discount that having an influence on the way that I read this. However, I will also note that Romans 8 is what gives me confidence that Romans 7 is talking to a Christian. Because Romans 8, I mean, okay, we're gonna have to skip ahead just one verse here. I won't go through the whole thing. But Romans 8 verse 1, he ha- he says, there is therefore now no condemnation for, the, for those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay, what's the connection? Why say this if everything behind it is referencing an unbeliever? I, th- I think the connection he's making, and I hold that tentatively open-handed, so I'm, I'm happy to be wrong here and be proven otherwise. But I think the connection he's making is, hey, if that's your experience, don't let that disturb you because there's no condemnation for those in Christ. You're still of the flesh. You still carry the, the human vessel that's fallen, and therefore it, it still has a gravitational pull towards sin, and you're not going to conquer that in this life. But the principle of God's grace and salvation in Christ gives you the power to overcome that. Uh, not permanently or uh, not perfectly in this life, but sufficiently by the power of his spirit. You're not condemned. You've been made alive in Christ. Um, you no longer need to operate according to the law of the flesh. Can I counter? Absolutely. So, yeah, I, and admittedly, this is hard and and I, I, I wrestle with it myself It's and it's okay. And let that be an encouragement to you guys listening. We're a work in progress. Yeah. Like it's okay to wrestle with passages and go, okay, help me understand this. The way I see that connection between the end of seven and the beginning of eight. So in 724, at the end of this lamenting, this, this battle, he says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And then he says this, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord and savior. Right. Right. So he's praising that Jesus is the answer to our need for salvation. 
And then he gets to 8.1, which he says that, therefore, because Jesus has set us free from this law of sin and death, there's therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. So I think there Paul is saying, now we're in Christ, and that's that's the realization that we needed to get to. So now you don't have to try and labor to be justified by your obedience to the law even and realize the impossibility of it, which is what he's just been des- describing back in chapter 7. His state unregenerate as a Jew trying to be justified by the law. He's saying, man, all I felt was condemnation, 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 because I realized I can't do it. I can't be right with God by my obedience, because even though I delight in the law, man, that, that flesh within me, that total depravity, that sin nature keeps me from being able to fully make myself right by obedience wretched man that i am who's going to help me who's going to set me free from this struggle jesus does and now that i've turned to jesus now that i i trust in him by faith and repentance now i'm set free from that and there's no condemnation anymore i'm not stuck in that 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 loop of condemnation and guilt and shame because i don't measure up and because i can't obey enough and be good enough now i know jesus and now i'm set free from that so I think there's there's good arguments on both sides. I really do. And I think either way, this is not a this is a secondary issue for sure. Indeed. And I would simply say that I think what fits really well in verse 24 and following is the concept of resurrection. Because the body he refers to in, in chapter verse 24 is Soma. We're not talking about Sarks here, fallen flesh. So I think he's pointing toward what he's going to talk about in chapter eight, the resurrection. So who's going to deliver me from this? This fallen body, this fallen flesh, well, it's going to be Christ. He's going to resurrect me. He's going to give me a new life and the subsequent glorification that comes along with it. So even though I serve the law of God in my mind, my inner person has been regenerated. My flesh is still fallen. It's Mm -hmm. still going to serve the principle of sin. It's going to sin and it's not going to not be able to not sin because it's fallen. It has sin tendencies. But Romans 8 gives me that sense of, okay, so he's pointing us to the fallenness of our flesh, but... Jesus is going to redeem it. He's going to renew it, resurrect it, glorify it, and make it so that it is sinless. Right, right. Yeah, man. There's there's, there's so, so much, much here, and we're already jinx. we're yeah jinx. We're already twenty minutes in, but uh, yeah. Let me just again. Let me encourage you, Christian, listening to this. I, I don't want you to hear there is me. My position say there should be no struggle within you. And the reason that this is a clue right. to non-believers because there's a struggle. Listen, listen, we all struggle with sin. That's right. All of us do. And there's a, there's a daily uh, choice that we have to make. Again, there's two natures at war within you. The one that's going to win is the one that you fight or is the, the one that you feed. Um, and so if you want your, your spirit to be the, the, the guiding force in your life today, man, are you, are you feeding the spirit today? Are you in the word? Are you, you're already listening to this podcast. So good job. Good job. Are you praying? Are you spending time around other believers? Are you feeding the flesh? That, that battle is not going to go away until we're with the Lord. Right. And that's, that's the threefold kind of sanctification that we talk about. Sometimes there's positional. That is that we are at the moment of salvation declared positionally holy in God's eyes. We are righteous with the righteousness of Christ. Then there's progressive. And that's where we're at right now. We are being progressively made more like Jesus throughout the rest of our lives. Finally, there's going to be perfect sanctification. And that's when we're glorified. That's when we're with Jesus. Different way to think about it is, is this. Positional sanctification is you are freed from the penalty of sin. You no longer have to fear death. Death is no longer a, a, a fear for you. The wrath of God is no longer a fear from you because you've been sanctified positionally, set apart as righteous. 
progressive, you're freed from the power of sin. The body of sin has been brought to nothing. So now you have the ability to do that, which is good. You are no longer enslaved to sin and progressive sanctification, but it's not until perfect sanctification that you're freed from the presence of sin, where you will no longer have to have this battle that we see in either in Romans 7 or Galatians 5, wherever you want to go with that. So be encouraged today, Christian. The, the, the point is, and I think that's a, a great way to end Pastor Rod with that focus on, man, the day is coming when, when we are going to be freed from this body and we're going to be with Jesus forever and ever. And how awesome is that day going to be? That's right. Tune in again tomorrow, guys, for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We'll hit the rest. Well, not the rest of chapter eight, but we'll start to a little bit more of, the, hey, of chapter eight. I'll take half. <laughs> See you guys. See ya. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Mm -hmm.